Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance, and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's healthlock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, are now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today, save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. You elaborate more on what the uh, DHS's uh, connection with the DNC was or uh, consultation with the DNC was after you became aware of the hacking and they became aware of the hacking uh, as to what was offered them, what they accepted. Was there any level of cooperation at all? Um, To my disappointment, not to my knowledge, sir. Um, And this is a question I asked repeatedly when I first learned of it. You know, what are we doing? Are we in there? Are we helping them discover the vulnerabilities? Because this was fresh off the OPM experience. And 
there was a point at which DHS cybersecurity experts did get into OPM and actually help them discover the bad actors and patch some of the exfiltrations or at least minimize some of the damage. And so I was anxious to know whether or not our folks were in there. And the response I got was, FBI had spoken to them. Uh, they don't want our help. They have CrowdStrike, uh, the cybersecurity firm. And that was the answer I got after I asked the question a number of times over the progression of time. Now, that was, I assume, totally different from the reaction you got from OPM. Uh, the OPM effort, we were actually in there on site helping them uh, find the bad actors. Do you know who it was at the DNC who made that decision or who was making I don't. resistance? No. No. Do you know if the FBI continued to try to help, try to assist? I have, uh, I've read in the New York Times about those efforts um, sometime earlier this year. Uh, let me just be very clear. At no point during my tenure at the DNC was I contacted by the FBI, DHS, or any government agency or alerted or made aware that they believed that the Russians, a, a, an enemy state, was intruding on our network. At no point. And I am a member of Congress who had the ability to sit down and be briefed in a classified setting. Even Director Comey testified publicly that he wished that he had gone to the top of the organization. We're one of the two national political parties. It is astounding that when they had a member of Congress who was leading that organization, that no one felt it was any more important when we had a foreign enemy intruding on one of the two political parties' networks to do anything more than lob a phone call in to our tech support through our main switchboard. But how can both That's be outrageous. true? I mean, Secretary Johnson says that DNC rebuffed the help that they offered. You're saying that no one ever contacted you. <laughs> Respectfully, Secretary Johnson is, is, is utterly misinformed. That is simply not accurate. And much that has been, has been written about the timeline of events by the New York Times, the Washington Post, that document through multiple sources, including me, uh, that, uh, that the, the FBI and other federal agencies did virtually nothing to make sure that when they were aware at the point that they were aware that there was, or concerned that there was an intrusion on our network by the Russians, that they did virtually nothing to sound the alarm bells to make us aware of that. And they left, essentially, the Russians on our network for more than, for almost a year. Uh, our source is not the Russian government. So in other words, let me be clear. Russia did not give you the Podesta documents or anything from the DNC. That's correct. All right, that last one was my interview with Julian Assange, and there you had Jay Johnson, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Peter King of New York, who's actually a great guy. I just think he's a little too liberal lately, and I give him a hard time when I see him, but he's a good guy. I've known him over the years as a congressman from New York. Um, here's what this is all about. You see, you have what's called the Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity Group. It's VIPs for short, okay? They have a theory— that has been picked up by the nation, by Bloomberg, by the Washington Times, and by many others. Now, remember, I've interviewed Assange five times, four times on radio, one time on TV. I was there last January. He keeps arguing that the people, and he'd be the one person on the face of this earth, he knows where the DNC emails came from. Why is that important? It's important because, okay, why is Mueller doing the investigation? What, are the, what is the investigation supposed to be about? Trump-Russia collusion. Now, we know it's expanded well beyond that. In terms of its scope, and that's what I call investigative creep, and that's a big problem, and into finances and into 
you know, all the, at this point, who even knows it, where, where this is headed? And we don't like the makeup of what's going on with the people that Mueller is appointing. And that is eight people that that literally donated to Obama and donated to Clinton and donated to Democrats, but not Republicans. They don't have any Republican donors. Anyway, just to go on. Now, what they found is in the findings by these researchers, as reported by The Nation, as reported by Bloomberg, as reported by The Washington Times, is that the forensicator and Adam Center, let me explain what this is, that that independent researchers that go by these pseudonyms, forensicator or Adam Carter, and the former found that 1,976, I guess he called Miller. What's the metabytes, I guess? I don't even know what they call these. Of Guccifer's files, Guccifer 2.0, were copied from a DNC server on July the 5th in just 87 seconds, implying a transfer rate of 22.6 megabytes per second. Or if you convert that to a measure most people use, about 180 megabyte, megabits per second. All right, I'm not the most computer-savvy guy in the world. And anyway, a speed that is not commonly available from U.S. Internet providers. All right, remember, these people work at a whole different level than the rest of us. Downloading these files, they argue, this quickly over the Internet, especially, you know, in a way that most hackers would use, would have been all but impossible because the network infrastructure, they conclude, and I'm doing my best here to explain this in layman terms, through the through which the traffic would have to pass would further slow the traffic. However... As the forensicator pointed out, and this is all chronicled in these articles, the files could have been copied to a thumb drive, something only an insider could have done at about that speed. Now, this is technical, but it's important. Now, this group, this VIPS group, or Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity Group, well, they include 32, 34-year veterans of the NSA that have incredible considerable technical experiences. Bill Binney is one of them. He's 32, 34 years, the agency's former technical director for world geopolitical and military analysis. Serious credentials. Edward Loomis Jr. He's the former technical director for the Office of Signals. In other words, signal intercept processing, as well as other ex-intelligence officers with equally impressive credentials. Now, that doesn't, of course, mean the group is right, in terms of the analysis and finding the analysis on and on and on. But this is a very persuasive and fascinating thing because the implications are grave. In other words, there was never if there was never if it wasn't the Russians and it was disgruntled DNC people. The, the that is the consequences of that. The media lying for all this time. Conspiracy theories pushed for all this time. And so on and so forth. Mueller, why is he even there? He should close up shop. Now we have reminisce. This is now reminiscent of Patrick Fitzgerald. So um, another former intelligence professional who examined it, Scott Ritter, pointed out that these findings don't necessarily refute that Guccifer's materials constitute the spoils of a hack. Anyway, joining us now with reaction, Kirk Wiebe is with us, former senior analyst. He also worked for the NSA. And NSA whistleblower Brian Finch, he's the co-chair of cybersecurity practice at Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. Welcome, both of you. And I know I'm not really good at describing this. How did I do, Kirk Wiebe? Hey, you did a fabulous job, Sean. You captured it. 
All right. Explain. You've read The Nation. The Nation was the first I saw that reported it. Explain to this audience what this means. Well, it simply means that we know relatively little about the entire matter surrounding the removal of uh, DNC emails from the DNC server in the summer of 2016. That said, and although a Russian hack of the DNC is not an impossibility, based on the preponderance of available evidence, it is almost certain the DNC event was a leak. You think it's a certainty? Uh, it's almost certain that Give it was a Give me percentages. What do you think? Uh, my mind, about 97%. So that would mean everything we've heard about Trump-Russia, 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 collusion, collusion, collusion is a lie? Yeah. I, well, it's... It's, uh, you know, been blown out of proportion. If someone would have said a possibility, most of us would have agreed. But when they say it is, it is, uh, without any shadow of a doubt, that is flat wrong. Absolutely wrong. What is your take? I mean, we call guys like, like you, Brian, white hat guys. In other words, you, you go into companies and individuals, and what you do is you basically try and hack them. And you find their vulnerabilities before others do. And we know identity theft is so big. You know, white hat hackers is what we call you guys. But you're the good guy. You're trying to help protect companies that they can keep their privacy. You've read these articles. You've seen their information. You know their background, their expertise, and their credentials. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I wouldn't call myself the most qualified white hat hacker in the world. If you ask my well, kids, you're, you're, I still struggle with it. Don't listen. You yeah. can diminish your your <laughs> credentials all you want, but you are pretty good at this. Let's be honest. Well, I, I appreciate that, Sean. Thank you. I still struggle to get my router to reach my Xbox, but I, I think from <laughs> from a lawyer's perspective, uh, you know what what this evidence or what this indicates is that there are multiple plausible explanations out there with respect to who leaked the emails from the DNC. And more importantly, you know, despite what Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz had to say uh, with respect to cooperation with the Federal Bureau of Investigation or the Department of Homeland Security, DNC made this much harder for itself. Well, and in a way, the made it... I even look at their computer systems. Now, who says no right. to the FBI? Uh, I, I certainly don't this. advise my clients to do that. Uh, whenever we get the opportunity to work with FBI or Secret Service, we welcome them in. Because they're the they're, we've got to assume they're the best at what they do, right? And that they're... Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, there's the fact that at the end of the day, if there's been a criminal activity, they're the ones who are going to prosecute it. Here's my next question. Does it, We all know what happened when the WikiLeaks reveal came out. Now the next question... Logical question is, do we tie this, Kirk, we be in any way, or do would you in your mind tie it or at least be suspicious of what this this guy, this this IT specialist and this family that made all this money from the from Democrats overbilling former McDonald's worker, former car dealer guy, and then government computers and hard drives busted up in his garage? Yeah, it's it's uh it gets murky. And, and and with the uh, recent uh, uncovering of the guys who were working for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I mean, all these avenues are opening up. None of them are giving us answers. What bothers me the most, though, Sean, 
is that the government could have disclosed evidence by now showing us that our thinking is wrong, and it hasn't. Do you know in 80, 1983, President oh, I, Reagan I want you just— to hold that thought. Don't, don't go anywhere, because that's an important—you're you're saying that the government already knows this part, tr- Russia-Trump collusion. You're saying that they already know? Yeah, I think they know. And they wouldn't tell the American people? Well, I think they can't tell the American people. And what I want to contrast is President Reagan disclosed the intercept of the KAL shootdown in 1983 on the floor of the United Nations to right. prove what the Russians did. Stay right the there. We'll take, also a, we'll take a break. De- well, and with that, we have all those people saying we have no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. But the media still went with it. All right. Now, I don't know the answers to these questions but, you know, when the nation, the Washington Times, Bloomberg and people with those credentials are saying this, I'm suspicious. I want answers. The American people deserve the truth and they deserve answers. And asking questions is a good thing for the country. Hannity Headline, a bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you everywhere you go. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Brian Finch, Kirk Wiebe is with us. All right, so 97% you think it was a DNC disgruntled Bernie person. Am I getting that right, Kirk? Yeah, that's my belief, Sean. And you believe the government probably knows the truth, but they're not telling us. Does Donald Trump know the truth? Well, let's put it this way. It's either that they won't tell us the truth or... They don't have any evidence to support their claim, and they don't want to embarrass themselves. All right. So then the next logical question is, why don't they dig deeper? Why don't they get to the truth? That is a good question. Because I don't know the whole truth. All I know is these are really respectable, credentialed people. Don't you you think, Brian Finch? I do. I, I absolutely do. What did you do. think I mean, when you read just... it? What, let me ask that. What did you think when you read the nation piece? Well, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, I thought it was a remarkable remarkable collection of sources here. You've got the left with the nation, the right with the Washington Times, and basically the center with uh, Bloomberg here. So this is not just some partisan or outlandish uh, conspiracy theory, uh, as, as you said it was not earlier. It's, it's certainly something that needs to be followed up on. And when I read the story... Uh, about, you know, the possible insider theft of these emails. It's as plausible as anything that's out there. I think it deserves equal weight in terms of the investigation. And more than anything else, Sean, it just reinforced my personal belief that, look, we know Russia tried to impact the election in some way, shape, or form, but to allege collusion between the Trump campaign and and the Russian government is just more denial on the part of the folks who are anti-Trump. And I'm running out of time. Do you think that the nation really believes they've got this nailed? That's why a left-wing publication did this, because they're sending a signal to all their friends that have gone out so far on the limb and are wrong. Are they trying to say something with this piece? I think there's there's certainly a lot of anger under, at the Washerman Schultz uh, and uh, the way the DNC was run for years and ignored and 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 their minds really uh, put the Did screws this turn to out Bernie to be Sanders. The biggest me- media lie ever. 
boy, there's been a lot of them. I would put it up there. I'd, I'd have to sit and think about <laughs> my, uh, my my collection of uh, the collection of lies that have been out there. But it, we got to roll. I, I love you both. Wish I had more time. Kennedy.com. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. My nurse came back to the room, found me with my bloody swollen lip, and we left immediately and came home. He uh, uh, was getting ready and went to the door, and there I, there I sat on the bed just devastated, and he goes to the door, casually puts on his sunglasses, and says, you better get some ice on that. She held on to my hand, and she said, do you understand everything that you do? I mean, cold chills went up my spine. That's the first time I became afraid of that woman. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. She didn't even stand up for the women that knew what her husband did, and she knew what her husband did to those women. She, There's no way that she did not know that. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. We will destroy you, is what they said to me. Who said? My brother said it on behalf of Billy when he was campaigning for him in 1992. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. Bill, you're in any danger? And to this point, people threaten you? I used to. You used to think that you were in physical danger? I was threatened really, really. Yeah, I was. I was very scared. I was horribly, horribly threatened. And, And people don't know that story. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. Did you see what happened to Jennifer Flowers? Mm. Did you see what was happening to Paula Jones? My allegation. Yes. No, not afraid. I just, I just knew what would happen. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. If I ever had to meet her in person... It would be very hard for me not to walk up and smack her. <laughs> I know that sounds mean. I mean, she put me through a lot at 12 years old. I mean, I had to go look through this window and, and ID these guys. I am sick and tired of people who say that if you debate and you disagree with this administration, somehow you're not patriotic. And we should stand up and say we are Americans and we have a right to debate and disagree with any administration. All right. That Hillary Clinton's new uh, book and her latest excuse about why she lost. It's not the first time she claims that somebody invaded her space. And she said it about Rick Lazio. Her new book is called What Happened? But, of course, the only person not to blame is her. Back up, you creep. And then the women you heard from Paula Jones and Kathleen Willey and Dolly Kyle and Juanita Broderick. Um, Hillary was silent in all of those instances and a very, very severe statements made about her husband. And may I add that the Clinton Foundation did take money from Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates and 
and uh, Kuwait and Oman and Qatar and Algeria and Brunei and Saudi Arabia. You know, women can't drive and are told how to dress and gays and lesbians are killed. Women can't travel abroad. They can't work unless they get permission. And uh, gays and lesbians are killed and Christians and Jews persecuted. And in the UAE, well, let's see, they have a law that states women have a right to work without being held disobedient. That's nice. And the penal code in the UAE gives uh, men the legal right to discipline their wives and their children, including physical violence. And in Kuwait, uh, women have been denied the right to become public prosecutors and judges. They don't have the same rights as men to obtain nationality for even their spouses and kids. And there's no laws prohibiting domestic violence, sexual harassment or marital rape. And I can go on from there, but I don't want to put Rick Unger in too big a hole. Rick Unger joins us <laughs> of the Steel and Unger show. Jonathan Gillum is with us. Well, what, how are you going to wiggle out of this one this week? I, I, I'm just, I, you know, I obviously right. didn't get the memo. I thought the election was over, and you're still litigating. No, no, Hillary no, no. no. You don't get to dodge by saying the election is over. What Hillary's dodge? Hillary's I mean, release came out yesterday. Therefore, it is news when she's saying, "Oh, yeah. during the debate, I said, oh, he is in, invading my space." Back this up, is not well, okay. I this thought is not okay. it was incredibly uncomfortable. So I think it brings he was up literally breathing right, down my. So that brings up issues about whether or not Hillary's, you know, tr you know, support of those countries and taking their money and all these other women. She remains that's, silent. That's, whether that's quite a leap that it brings up those. I don't issues. think so, Jonathan. Do you I, think that's I, a leap? I, I've, I've debated elite. I don't know what that means when he's saying that's elite. No, he said it's a leap. <laughs> I have debated oh, often, and I've had men get into my space and turn to them and said, "A little room, please." What does that mean? What's Every that time you get near me, I say, I "Can I have some space, please?" Every yeah. time you come near me, so I say, "Back must, up, you, you creep." Support, you <laughs> yeah. must support the United Arab Emirates and all those other places you listed. Well, why would you take money from countries that abuse women, kill gays and lesbians, and persecute Christians and Jews? I wouldn't take money from them. Would Actually, you? No, I actually wouldn't take money from them. No. So, so I guess even though but Donald Trump really might have gotten close to her during a debate, what's wait a minute? What's worse, the way Donald Trump might have gotten close to her during a debate, or the fact that she took money from countries that abuse these groups? Gee, we could probably wind that logic out forever. If we're no, I don't really think so. But it's a simple question, Rick. I don't. I'm going to answer it. I don't like that she took money. I don't like that the Clinton Foundation took money from those countries and then turned. All right, I just want a big bet with Linda because I said you're going to say that got to do with it. I said to Linda, uh, Jonathan, I said, he, he said Unger's going to dodge duck and then he's going to say, well, I don't agree with that personally. That's what I, I predicted he'd say. it. Well, first off, let me say that I feel the exact same way when I first met Rick Unger. I was like, come on, you're breathing on me. Back up a little bit, Unger. No, I'm just kidding. Unger's a great guy. But but seriously, um, that that's one of the good things about Unger is that he does eventually admit what is real. And, and uh, But I think, you know, the thing with this Hillary, the whole Hillary Clinton thing, sometimes I wonder if they are just doing these things to, to remain um, – in the news to remain it could because they subscribe to the Saul Alinsky tactic of just be out there make noise so that people continue to remember your name 
And then when you get a chance to start slamming the enemy, that's what you do. And that that's this whole Sololinsky tactic. Just remain uh, relevant. Somehow, Maybe I'm more somewhere. cynical like with you. You know what my analysis is? Yeah. I, I just like think that, that book. my analysis, I think yeah. the Clintons just want to, they just want to get every penny and milk this, this, their public, you know, positions dry. It's like there's nothing they won't do. I say, well, that's closer, at least. It was, it's so nefarious. She wrote that book because she got a ton of money to write the book, like all people who write books. They would you ever money. Would you ever do an audio book like Hillary? I felt he was invading my space. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> would you ever do that? <laughs> oh, so now we're de- would I do an audio book? Sure, I do an audio book. If somebody wanted an audio book from me, who wouldn't? But I mean, I, you don't <laughs> yeah. like the reading. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? I, so she's not. A now, let actor. me move on to a, a more serious issue. Turn? Let me play what a, part of what I did in my monologue last night, and that is, and I, I've I've made the prediction last week that the whole issue would have started in Charlottesville. It doesn't matter how many times, how many ways that Donald Trump says, and he said it in '91 with Larry. King and he said it to Matt Lauer 20 years ago and he said it all throughout the campaign and he said it ever since Charlottesville but it doesn't matter the left wants to bludgeon him politically and the left wants to portray every conservative Republican and, and this president is racist for example this is the president disavowing denouncing racism white supremacy for the evil it is what do you see as the biggest problem with the reform party right now well you've got David Duke just joined a bigot a racist a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. David Duke announced his Senate candidacy, claiming your agenda for his own, or essentially saying, glad that you spoke out. Are you ready before you ask the question? Newt Gingrich said every Republican should repudiate this guy I no did. matter what it takes. And I do. Are you ready? Rebuked. Is that okay? Rebuke. Rebuke. Done. Done. Okay. How do you feel about the recent endorsement from David Duke? I didn't even know he endorsed me. David Duke endorsed me? Okay. All right. I disavow. Okay? And I don't mind disavowing anybody, and I disavow David Duke. And they heard me very easily disavow David Duke. How would you characterize in more words than one uh, David Duke? Uh, David Duke is a bad person who I disavowed on numerous occasions over the years. Just to put it clear, I disavowed him in the past and I disavow him now. I've rejected David Duke. Rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. From the time I'm five years old, I rejected them. Mitt Romney says your coddling of repugnant bigotry is not in the character of America. Your response? Yeah, David Duke and all were disavowed. I disavowed him on Friday. I disavowed him right after that because I thought if there was any question, and you take a look at Twitter, almost immediately after on Twitter and Facebook, they were disavowed again. All right, because I'm running out of time, let me just give a quick headline answer from Rick Unger, then i got to take a break. 
You get the point, I assume. You must, you must, you must, yeah, but you must have a little more time to play the audios where the president, uh, when he wasn't the president yet, told us he had no idea who David Duke was and how it took him all that time to get to the point. No, what, 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 wait a minute. Said, I, that's oh, not I my interpretation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. He like, I don't know this guy. I mean, that's what he was saying. I have no idea who David Duke is. You, you should play the tape. You must have I have the, the tape, tape. But, it, but I interpreted it. it differently than you did. Jonathan, how did you play interpret it? I interpreted it as though he does, he's saying he doesn't know him. Not exactly. know who he is. He doesn't know he doesn't know him. And that's the point. I guess there weren't enough dings in there for Ring uh, for Rick. We'll take a for Ring. We'll take a quick break, come back and continue. <laughs> All right, as we continue, Rick Unger is with us along with Jonathan Gillum. And uh, all right, Rick, I'll give you a chance. But I mean, you know, the media, except for me, I don't know one person in the media that played the president year in, year out, as many times as he has, denouncing white supremacism again and again and David Duke and the Klan again and again and again. I don't know how he could have denounced David Duke all that time because his quote was, I don't know any, honestly, I don't know David Duke, which would speak to your interpretation. I don't believe that I have ever met him. That could speak to your interpretation. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. Well, if he doesn't know anything about him, why would he be denouncing him? He just knows he's the former Klan white supremacist guy. Okay. Yes, he uh, was. You know what? You're, you're making my point, Jonathan, and I just— No, I don't think so. No, I do. I, I really believe I'm right and you're wrong. Shocking. Jonathan? <laughs> no, you know, I, this splitting of hairs that uh, that happens on the left is, is, well, it's in politics in general, but when the president says that he doesn't know David Duke and he doesn't know anything about him, things like that will get spun up by people like Don Lemon, CNN, where they just go crazy on this soundbite. And people really have to stop looking at these soundbites because what you just played was a montage of disavowing, telling people that he understands who he is, but he doesn't know him. And people don't take the full content, and we're stuck on these sound bites in this country by... Well, that's the point. Really I, I played 50 things, and Rick, you know, goes to one thing yeah. that can be interpreted wait, wait, wait. both ways. And it's huh. it's so we fundamentally just, unfair, that. and this is what happens we, every two and four years. We just listened to an entire three minutes of sound bites. And I've got more. Clinton, we didn't finish and, it. And now, I'm sure you do. And now you're and now Jonathan's saying we're splitting hairs by actually listening to something the president said. Don't do that. One. That's, that's splitting hairs. <laughs> you're, you're listening. You're judging off a one single soundbite when there's there's uh, tons of. Do you think the president's racist, Rick, Rick Unger? Do you think the president's racist? Actually, I don't because I've never met the president. I think the president has been a little too supportive of people. I do think are racist. Oh, good. How has he been supportive of racist? Well, that's a. I think you know. I mean, because I he says I want to. Vet people and build. Do you think saying you want to vet people and build the wall is racist? No, that wasn't what was in my head at all. Actually, I never know. Nobody could ever figure out what's in that head of yours. I mean, no, it's very (laughs) difficult. But uh, no, I would. You know, it's hard for me to accuse somebody of as being a racist. I think there's only how many more times does he need to disavow to make the left, you know, realize that he's not, and and how many times does he need to say they're evil and repugnant and disgusting? Well, you know what, and he did praise the the protesters in Boston. Peaceful protesters. It's not just this. It's not just a concern of the left. You know, you might have been able to say that a month ago. 
I don't think you can say that anymore. The, the never it's Trumpers are the never Trumpers have always been out there just waiting to say, "See, we were right." And then there are those very rational, reasonable people like throughout America who don't identify. They don't identify as left or right, and they and, don't like what they heard and saw either. Uh, but but he said he didn't like what he saw. He said it again and again. That's my only point, and nobody in the media plays it. But all right, I got to roll. Rick Unger, thank you as always, Jonathan Gillum. When we come back, we got a really powerful debate. You don't want to miss this. We're going to check in with Spencer Tillman and also our friend Dan Bongino. Why did ESPN take Robert Lee off the air? There is this ESPN play-by-play guy, Robert Lee. And I mentioned this yesterday. I am just amazed at sports broadcasters. I wish I could do what they do. I can't. And I, I mentioned, for example, the NHL. If you watch NHL networks, if if you watch NBC Sports, and they've got every NHL night, rivalry night on the NHL. Um, and you, you just listen to, you know, this guy, Emmerich, who's the broadcaster, he's so amazing. I'm like, how does he possibly do this? On the drive from Craig to Scott! to the outside, takes his own pass. Marshawn along in front. Now you can just hear, and it doesn't matter in the case of, it's sort of like radio broadcasting, although he's on television, uh, Doc Emmerich, and I, I'm just, it's really hard to follow hockey play-by-play like that, it, and he does it so well. Anyway, I was very aware of who Robert Lee was, and he was scheduled to do the UVA home opener, and then the USPN president decided to send out a memo, and they had had a meeting, and they decided because his name is Robert Lee, he happens to be an Asian-American, it shouldn't matter, he's a great broadcaster. The guy's amazing. And they said, well, because your name is Robert Lee, and we have the monument issue, and we're debating whether or not to take, and of course they're talking about Robert E. Lee, well, we're going to put you on a different broadcast. And I'm like, this is the single dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. And just listen to what a great broadcaster Robert Lee is. Robert Lee, Nate Ross back with you. Asheville controlled that first half led for about 15 and a half minutes. Have matched their biggest lead, six points here at halftime. Led, as always, by Ahmad Thomas, 12 points in 12 minutes. Final five and a half seconds. They get it in for Teague. He starts up the court with three. Teague trying to get the shot away. He will. He'll hit it. Maceo Teague sends it to overtime. A steal. Teague ahead for Thomas. Ball hammer at home. Winthrop timeout. A 6 0 run has tied the game. First and 10 from the 35. Pump fake. Throw wide open. You open. He's got it for a touchdown. And the reason I grew up loving the radio, my parents, it wasn't shut off the TV. It was turn the radio off. And I was up late at night and I listened to the radio. It drove my parents nuts. They tried to steal my radio and I'd find another one. Um, And he's could you imagine all of that is extemporaneous? All of you got to know the players. You got to know the names. You got to go to the 25, the 20, the 15, the 10, you know, touchdown and make it exciting. And they do. It is one of the most gifted, incredible skills. To do this is insanity. Anyway, here to get some opinion on it, my good friend Spencer Tillman. He's the lead studio uh, analyst for College Football Today, CBS Television Network pregame halftime uh, studio show. 
former running back, by the way, eight seasons with the Houston Oilers at the time and San Francisco 49ers. Dan Bongino is with us, former Secret Service agent, NYPD, also contributing editor of Conservative Review. Welcome uh, both of you back to the program. Hey, great John, to be here. Be with you. Spencer, you, you know my love of sports, and I, I don't know if you've always known my love of sports broadcasters, but I'm fascinated with them because I can't do what they do. Yeah, you do. You do it every single day. <laughs> no, not what see, they right? do. I don't have to identify everybody's name and be able to pronounce it right. Yeah, but you say what you see. You, nobody is so deft with understanding the names of politicians that the movers and the shakers <laughs> in this business. It's you not are, the Sean. same. You're, it's you're being a friend. Fashion, it's all. not the same, Spencer. It's much different. It's harder. Yeah, um, it's real time. It's faster. No question about it's it. It's faster. It takes, yeah, no question. It's a skill. Look, you have this skill. You, you're an amazing broadcaster. And Dan Bongino, he's filled in on this program. He's an amazing broadcaster. And I'm looking. And I, you. I, you knew who, who Robert Lee was before this. I knew who Robert Lee was before this. Maybe a lot of people didn't. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's pretty popular, actually. And... You know, and then they pull this move. What was your reaction, Spencer? Well, listen, I never – I try to refrain from commenting on what other networks do at the bottom because it's just courtesy more than anything else. But generally, it is an overreaction to society. You know, we're so politically correct, and, and I get frustrated because we're not tackling the real issues. We're dealing with these ghosts and perceptions of what are the, the real issues. And so I'm disappointed in any network, anyone, any – any leader, any uh, administrator that would make that call, whether it happened at the regional level or the network level, as we're learning in these uh, these days after the event, um, it doesn't really matter. The sentiment, if you're in charge of a responsibility of making those kinds of choices at any level, you got to have a worldview. you got to have a sense of history and understand what matters, and that has to filter in your choices that you make. So I'm disappointed that the people who are responsible for being the pathway or the conduit through which we see such an important aspect of our community that is sport uh, through our daily lives. I'm disappointed that they didn't exercise better judgment in that regard. But it doesn't. You, just you are you are so diplomatic and so nice, which goes no, which goes to the listen. If everybody anybody that knows you, that's who you are. I get it, and and it's you're just a nice person. You know, one of my favorite sports opinionated sports commentators is and he's a good friend of this program and of mine and i'm jealous because he's going to be at the mayweather mcgregor fight he's covering it is Stephen a and yeah. and i just worry that Stephen a one day because espn is so quick to fire somebody says something controversial oh my gosh gee whiz we can't it's like we we, we feign this outrage um, when people give strong opinions, and I'm like, I love strong opinions. Bring it on. Let's hear it. Let's have a, a solid debate about it. Well, my, my opinion is this. It's like Bill Walsh used to tell us when I was with the 49ers, complexity and preparation, simplicity and execution. You've got to spend a lot of time knowing your history, knowing the games, as the case may be. We're talking about sportscasters, controversial issues. You better do a deep dive before you make that kind of choice and that decision. That's all I'm saying. I'm disappointed that they didn't do a deep or die. That was a superficial knee-jerk reaction response to a situation. See, if we keep Spencer on long enough, he's going to open up, and he's opening up now, and it's coming <laughs> flying out. Uh, let me go to my, my buddy uh, Dan Bongino here, and I guess it also raises issues of Colin Kaepernick we'll get to in a second, but what is your take, uh, Dan? Yes, Spencer is, he's a gentleman. I really admire his restraint. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have that kind of control. No, if we this keep him on an hour, he'll be, it'll be flying off the handle. It's going to be great in an hour. <laughs> If you put two, you, you give him you give him two beers. It's even going to be greater. 
that's right. That's right. That's right. Get those inhibitions down. No, listen, this is, this is peak liberal craziness. I mean, we've reached peak insanity. Sean, I swear, when I, on my life, when I saw this story, I was watching Fox, and it came up on my life. I thought it was a joke. I thought Tucker I was know, that's something so fu- like... It's sad. It's funny. Story about a, about a fake Trump tears thing, and I thought <laughs> I, I said to my wife Paul, I go, Paula, this is so funny. Listen to this stupid story. They kicked an Asian broadcaster off because he shares the name of the Confederate general. And my wife goes, Dad, this is true. Like this is I'm just I'm <laughs> yeah, I know I said, you can't Paula, believe it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you and I. Yeah. There's so much fake news out there. There's a story that I spent at a Trump hotel, like forty two or seven thousand dollars, <laughs> and I made them fly in a seventy year old lobster. And, and another story right. that said I died in a bicycle accident. And I'm, I'm like, where does this right. crap come from? I don't blame you for thinking it's fake news. <laughs> no, when your livelihood is what we do, which is picking apart liberal silliness, even us, we were like, no, come on, this can't be real. I, I know. It just, it's goes, funny. To, it just goes to show you this one here's the takeaway that liberals have america believing right now that a fringe portion of america not all democrats but literally the fringe left of the far left that that is a position widely held and that is what scared espn to the point where they removed an asian american broadcaster for fear of associating him with a confederate general dead more than a hundred years it is literally insanity like yeah. insane. Crazy. You know, yeah. all right, guys, I, I hate to I hate to stop any good debate. Stay right there. We'll continue. All right. As we continue Sean Hannity show, we continue with Spencer Tillman and Dan Bongino. Let me let me throw this at you. Um, And I am a huge free speech advocate. And mm-hmm. I call him uh, Kaepernick. Uh, he was one of he he was on track. He had a trajectory, I thought to be one of the best quarterbacks from the NFL ever. I mean, his arm is phenomenal. And I watched this whole thing unfold last year, and he has every right, and frankly, I respect that he he knows he's going against a lot of people's beliefs, and he's standing out there on his own, and he knows the consequences, and he's willing to stand up for what he believes in. I have no problem with that at all. But then when teams don't want to hire him, you know, I understand their decision as well. Thoughts? Yeah, well, the NFL is a private organization, right? It's private ownership. Uh, it has the league that is its face and represents it. But those individual 32 teams can do whatever they want to do. I remember famously, um, it was uh, it was uh, it was Vince Lombardi who was concerned about some things that were happening in Green Bay. It was one of the major establishments at the time would not allow African-American players to stay at the hotel. And Vince Lombardi went over and had a conversation with the man. He said, hey, look, I will die for the right for you to do what you want to do with respect to who stays in your hotel. However, I will also exercise the right for anyone within the Green Bay Packer organization not to patronize your place. And he did that with the same type of respect. But he did it with respect and discipline. What I think Colin Kaepernick's problem didn't was the LA Dodgers didn't the Dodgers sorry the Dodgers do that um, not LA at the time didn't the Dodgers also Brooklyn, do that with yep. Jackie Robinson absolutely and see those types of statements however even though it was an internal one and it was obviously happening during the time we didn't have Twitter and it couldn't have gotten blown up the way that it, it this story does here today what it speaks to is the respect and an awareness. Vince Lombardi literally went there. I just think the optics of Collins' efforts were wrong from the beginning. And then I'm going to be difficult here and speak what most people don't speak. Today, culturally, if you've got a big afro, most people, black or white, 
aren't mature enough to look past the image and impression of what that represents, and they will take a snapshot of it, and then it becomes representative of what they believe you're really all about. Even though your message may be pure, it may be just, it may be right, the optics just do not look right. Is it the, but, live- but, Spencer, is it the optics? Because I actually think the 90-whatever percent, I can't put a percentage on it, I think are good people that, that judge their fellow man as created by the same God and by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Now, yeah, there are ignorant, bigoted, racist, hateful, evil white supremacists. There are evil yep. people in this world. But I don't think people look at Kaepernick from a from a, a visual standpoint and say they're against Kaepernick. I, I, I think he was well-loved and idolized and adored by fans. I think it's position more than looks, no? Well, there- There's the thing that we don't know. In a private room without consequence, how many people would object to that or maybe show a sense? Look, our our last election is a classic case of it. The moral majority actually didn't speak loud enough during the race. Everyone thought, the pundits thought, even many conservatives thought that Donald Trump had no way of winning that. That's the part that you don't know. But again, it's in that private room without consequence. Then when it happens and then the actions define it. Then we know what people perhaps were thinking, or at least we can make that assumption. I wanna, so, yeah, let me get yeah, Dan's reaction to that. Dan. Yeah, well, Sean, I, I don't have any respect for Colin Kaepernick at all, and I have no problem saying that. And I don't think this is a principled stand either. Is you it about looks? Is it about his no, what he does on the field I, and his stand he's taken? Listen, I, I, I couldn't care any less about what the guy looks like. You want to take a principled stand, get your butt off the bench, get off your knees and go volunteer in a soup kitchen and donate tens of millions of dollars to some cause that matters to you. You know, Sean, listen, people go after you and this isn't some like stupid butt kissing moment, but I know what you do behind the scenes for the vets because it matters to you. You want to take a principled stand, get off your ass and get out there and go do something and donate your money, you joker, because by him doing this and disrespecting the country and smacking everybody in the face like the clown he is, you know what he's doing? He's taking down the NFL and all those other hardworking people with him, guys who really need this job. Not everybody in the NFL is a multi-billionaire. He's a disgrace, and this is well, an embarrassment to America. Let me, let me just doing. say this. I, I disagree 100% where you're coming from. I think he's not a clown. I think he's a thinking young man. He has made some optical moves that were not the best. Uh, he is getting good counsel from people like Dr. Harry Edwards and others that understand history. The guy is actually trying to make a principal statement about something that is a very real about issue what? that we've not dealt with in this nation. Uh, about about what? Dis- Spencer, what is he making a principal statement? Let me explain to you. If you'll be quiet for a minute, I'll explain to you. The historic marginalization of African Americans in this nation is a matter of record, and we do not acknowledge it to the extent that it manifests itself in all of the, the areas, employment, historically, it is, it is clear that we have a problem in this nation. And unfortunately, people like Colin Kaepernick don't present it in a way that we need to address it in a, a, an effective manner. He's, the, the optics are getting in the way of what he's trying to communicate. So I'm not in the... Yeah, Spencer, when you speak out and, for communist regimes like he does, he's a clown. I'm sorry, I have no respect for the guy. Well, he has no idea what opinion. he's talking about. I, I've not heard him speak out for communist regimes. I, I've not I have. Heard him speak. And as we continue, Sean Hannity show, we continue with our friends, Spencer Tillman, Dan Bongino with us. They were discussing Colin Kaepernick, and, and Dan was pretty adamant in expressing his thoughts that he's a clown, and Spencer's taken issue with it. Dan, I'll let you finish your thought and we'll let Spencer respond. 
Well, listen, the guy wears socks that depicted cops as pigs. What kind of principle is that? Is this guy serious? I mean, burglars would break into his house tomorrow and steal his stuff if it wasn't for a men and women in blue. He's a joke. The guy's a total farce. I mean, comparing him to, some, to, to anyone with principles who's actually fought the good fight is embarrassing. I, I'm serious. I have zero respect for him. And the fact that he's destroying the NFL, it, really, the people in the NFL should be really, really upset. Get this guy off the side. If you want to disrespect the anthem, do it in the locker room. If he had that kind of power to destroy the NFL, believe me, he wouldn't be alive right now. I don't think that would be the case. Again, the Sox, that's part of the optics. At 27, 28, By the way, I'm going to help my today. friend Spencer out. He wouldn't be alive right now. This is called a talk show. That is called hyperbole. It doesn't mean physically harming somebody by anybody in the NFL that would ever do that because Colin Kaepernick spoke out on his personal beliefs. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, again, ultimately what it amounts to is those are, again, gets back to the original comment about optics. The optics. Optics of the situation is what it is. He's a young man that made poor decisions. He's since got some counsel about that. That's the disappointing thing about all of this. The real issues are not being addressed here. We're dealing with the, the hyperbolic parts of it and the easily exploitable parts, the symbolic parts, pigs, socks with pigs on it, the afro. All of that stuff paints a picture and a narrative, and it gives someone an opinion about someone. Is it, the, is it but what is, what is the more – is it that he's taken the knee? Is it the socks more? than whatever I think it I think it is people that are offended because the blanket statement that he's disrespecting the flag and I think this listen if you read the, go read do you, do you think encourage... he is when he does that do you think he is disrespecting the flag Sean you're a bright man and you know I love and respect you go read and listen to the second stanza of the lyrics that Francis Scott Key wrote if you read that narrative, which we never sing, by the way, you'll understand exactly why people who are educated, white and black, understand, at least to a larger degree, the plight of people like Colin Kaepernick. When you look at the lyrics, just go read the lyrics. I encourage your listeners to go read the lyrics. We, we know it by song. heart. Everybody knows it. We, but I'm well, not, no, I'm not, everybody I'm listening. doesn't know it, Sean. Everybody doesn't know it. You know the first stanza, but read the entire lyrics from the second Stanza. There, that's not. That's only a portion. Read the entire song, and when you put it in that context, people that function with the sense and awareness of history. Uh, no, listen. This is this is an incredible conversation. I mean, I don't know how else do you accept the symbolism of wearing Castro, a killer communist, on your T-shirt, and pigs as cops on your socks. I mean, listen. With all due respect, Spencer, the, the, the guy's a joke. What symbol? I don't understand. Like, is there was, is there an alternate way to interpret a cop? depicted as a pig on someone's like like what's the alternate way like we're, i don't get it there's only one way to interpret that that's to be a childish immature jerk and to insult people who by the way make a a, a one one thousandth of what this joker jerk makes on the sideline go to work every day and put their cabooses on the line so people like kaepernick can live in these multi-million dollar homes and you put socks on what are you a funny guy what is he a comedian you're a quarterback Get on the field, you clown. Play the football. By the way, Lin Linda has that second stanza. Let me let Linda go ahead and read it. I did. I didn't know it by memory. I don't know if any of you did. No, I did it's, not. It's just a part here where it's. You want to sing it for us? Or? No, no, I don't think so. Not today. But it just talks about you know. It Dan decries... and Spencer are really mad now that you won't sing I it. Think but go ahead. I think they're just <laughs> Spencer's just happy that someone's going to validate this because nobody knows about this stanza, and so that this right. will give a little fuel to the fodder. But it talks about it's actually a third stanza, and it's decrying yep. former slaves that were working for the British Army, and it says their blood has washed out their foul footsteps 
revolution, no refuge could save the hireling and slave. From the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So it's basically minimizing the, the black soldier as well as talking about the fact that he's an underling. Yeah, so um, again, understand, when people put their hand over the heart and they sing the Star-Spangled Banner, there is another narrative that Francis Scott Key scripted and wrote to that. We don't think about it. Like much of history, most people are going on autopilot, and we and entropy sets in. The further we get away from the truth of history, our knowledge and understanding... Well, let me ask this question. Brain- you, I, I could put you guys on for three hours one day, and I think this would be a really worthwhile conversation for the country, and, and it's a tribute to both of you. But do you agree with me that most, the majority, the overwhelming majority, Spencer, view racism as evil, which it Absolutely. is, repugnant sure and disgusting, Listen, and they... Civil, absolutely sean listen civil societies exist because the majority of people choose to obey the law if that was not the case we would not elected a barack obama i am an optimist in the strictest sense of the definition however we cannot have this convenient attitude about when people have this misgivings about history and when we begin to voice them privileged groups i don't care if it's white black green yellow clubs whatever the organization reinhold niebuhr wrote this in his book moral man immoral society. Privileged groups rarely give up or share privilege without great and strong resistance. That's all I'm saying. And what we feel and what we see in the neo-Nazi reaction to this this non-violent act in Charlottesville is part of that resistance. It is a small faction, but unfortunately they have a large voice and the inherent nature of where we are in our culture. I don't even think it's a loud voice. I think they are a tiny, tiny, insane. Yeah, but but, but, but most people see them as insane. I mean, you do know that. That Most people. By the way, don't you you see when I when I praised the Boston protesters on Monday, what I said was there is a, a natural instinctive revulsion at people that want to associate themselves with that type of hatred. And the fact that 99 percent of them went out there and stood up, we ought to applaud them all. Because they did it, they did it peacefully, and the few little agitators that were there, the police handled perfectly. I thought it was a strong stand. And yeah, and I, every I, conservative, Dan Bongino, that I know, you know, absolutely, I don't know these people, uh, who they are, would I ever want to know them? And it's not the conservative movement. Where I go sideways with people is when they try and brand falsely conservative is every two, four years. We get the same crap that racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, and, and you've dealt with it in your career. You know, Sean, I was listening to your show after that uh, dreadful shooting of Steve Scalise. And, you know, I have my own little thing I put on. And you and I were both absolutely unequivocal and crystal clear on this point. For as much as we can't stand Bernie Sanders' ideological views, he was in no way responsible for the acts of a deranged... Not at all. And I said it at the time. You said it a thousand times on the show because I listened that day, I listened the next day, and I heard you say it. And every conservative out there with credibility said the same thing. But what happened with these lunatics, this, this guy in Charlottesville? Some maniac who has absolutely nothing to do with pure conservative values and the respect for God-given big R rights kills a woman tragically, horrifically, and all of a sudden every conservative in the country is supposed to apologize? Well, are you insane? Like, condemn? Absolutely, of course. But apologize for what? 
We have nothing to do with these neo-Nazi maniacs. We, you know, the Republican Party is the party that fought Jim Crow, that fought slavery, that fought for big R rights. Do people forget this? I mean, you want to talk about history, Spencer? That's real history. The real history of freedom and liberty is the history of the Republican Party. It has nothing to do whatsoever with Democrats and their, their tendency to pin every single act of a, of a I don't know if I want to pick on Republicans. Spencer, you can bail out because I, I, I know this. You don't do a lot of politics. And this is the thing that frustrated me on the whole thing is, you know, I, I went back to 1991 and I have a tape of Donald Trump condemning Duke and racism and white supremacy and and to him saying it to Matt Lauer 20 years ago and him saying it all throughout the campaign and him saying it all throughout Charlottesville. And and so I and also knowing the man and knowing his business and knowing the people he associates with and knowing the people that he brought into his campaign. I know it all of yeah. all races, I, creeds, colors and backgrounds. Let me, I'll finish this one thought. And the only thing I'm, I'm going to say is the media would never tell that part of the story. And they never tell the part of the story where Hillary Clinton just seven years ago was praising a guy that was a former Klansman and claimed that he was one of the, the greats of all time in politics and her mentor. And J. William Fulbright, well, Bill Clinton praised him as his mentor. And he signed on to the Southern Manifesto. And you keep saying that we need to know our history. Well, I wouldn't be praising somebody that signed on to the Southern Manifesto to go against the Supreme Court and their decision on Brown versus Board of Education. And the the segregationist J. William Fulbright, like Robert Byrd, were against the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 65 and Lyndon Johnson to get those historic bills passed, relied on the Republicans to get it done, not the Democrats and not the people the Clintons praise. Yeah, and the reason why those types of things happen is because everything moves toward decay. Listen, if you go to Europe right now, I guarantee you, you will not find a high school with Hitler's name on the side of it, right? Why is that? There is a part of the country that believes, the, the continent that believes and understands the travesty that that represented. And to think that someone at any point in time in history would subsequently come back and name a school after someone that was responsible for, for so much is, irrep- is reprehensible in a similar way. So 57, there are, wait, wait, there are 57 highway schools, monuments, including the West Virginia State House in West Virginia that praise Robert Byrd, the former Klansman. Should they be taken down? That's, I, 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 here's what I'm saying. The consciousness should be reexamined for why they was there in the first place. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thinking that needs to go into any decisions that are made. We need to go back and look at all traditions and examine them. And if they fail in providing definitive enough support that they support what America stands for, they should always be reexamined. And yes, in light of new information, People are reintroducing to the legal system all the time. It's not new. We've always known that Byrd was a former Klansman. We always knew J. William Fulbright was against the Southern Manifesto. So so answer your own question. That should be an indictment to anybody that did it. Anybody that authorized that, that should be brought up. But I, I guess what I'm saying, Spencer, is I'm talking about the double standard because they have ignored Trump's history. And they are trying to bludgeon him that he didn't say it enough times the right way. And meanwhile, there's this history over the course of his life where he has. There's also the Clinton's history 
where they have praised people that did support the Southern Manifesto, that did even filibuster the Civil Rights Act in the case of Byrd. Al Gore's father was one of them voted against it, and the history is the Republicans supported it. And they were never bludgeoned the way Donald Trump is getting bludgeoned. I'm, look, I'm not trying to drag you deep into politics. You're a friend, and no, I— No, that's okay. Listen, no, I, I, I just stay out of that. Sean, what I will do is talk about human nature. And the fact of the matter is— And there's good and evil. Very— it's, it's, yes, it is good and evil, and it is yet very predictable. This is all part of a struggle that must be. Time does a number on all of us. There was a time when Muhammad Ali was reviled. They sent him to jail for his beliefs and what he stood up for. And I cannot think of a more iconic figure than to see him with that cauldron in his hand, trembling from, from Parkinson's at that point. Was there a more popular person in the world than Muhammad Ali? What he did then was no different and no less unjust now. Now, and through the listen, I'll say this through the prism of history, 58,000 58, American heroes and America's treasure died in a war that became politicized. And uh, we can't ask these brave men and women to do that ever again. All right, I want to get a response from Dan Bongino. You know, Sean, the problem with this is this is a very slippery slope. Spencer makes a good point, you know, that, listen, there are obviously still a lot of open wounds about what happened in our history of a country with race, which is always going to be trouble. The problem I have with this is this, is, this was a problem all over the world. We were the one country on earth that, as you accurately stated, forfeited hundreds of thousands of lives to wipe the stain of slavery clean. Now, if we're going to start wiping down monuments and taking down monuments, where does it end? I mean, where does, are we basing it on what, a level of imperfection? What level of imperfection? If it offends one group, what if it offends another group? I mean, listen, what about statues of FDR? I mean, he was responsible for the internment of Japanese during World War II. Do we take that down? The problem I have with this is the slippery slope never ends. It's time to acknowledge our history. It's not sanitized. It's not perfect. It's not clean. Sometimes it was ugly, but we are still the greatest and most prosperous country on earth. We should acknowledge the history, acknowledge our imperfections, and move on and stop catering to liberal snowflakes' feelings about everything. And, Sean, if this was such a big deal, by the way, why was right, Let me get a quick response, then i got to take a break. Uh, Spencer. I agree with Dan, what he just said. We cannot have knee-jerk reactions. Wait, 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 wait. Don't you, no, no, no. You can't agree because you're ruining my program. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, no, no. just I'm stop. Kidding. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is what I'm getting ready to disagree with. The focus should be on education. Only after people Agreed. understand the truth can we make a conscious choice and decisions about what you are we so, know that, as a nation. But you know something? Look at the mysterious reluctance and resistance, especially, and this becomes political for me, because conservatives have been saying, let local municipalities, towns, and cities decide. Let the states decide, because they're going to have an active role. Thank you, Spencer Tillman. Thank you, Dan Bongino. Love you both. And uh, I'll have you back. This is a, a great hour, and I think an enlightening one. We appreciate it. You got it. You bet. Take care. Take care. Uh, he called and said, uh, Governor, whatever you need, you've got. Uh, and this is the quickest turnaround I've ever seen uh, from the time that a governor made a disaster declaration uh, to getting that granted. Uh, what that means uh, for the layperson out there uh, is because the president so swiftly granted uh, my application for a disaster declaration, it means it triggered uh, all the resources of FEMA uh, to help 
Texas. And, and what you will see uh, over the coming weeks and months is a tremendous rebuilding from all this damage. And a large part of that will be because of FEMA helping out. And so we are very appreciative of the way uh, the president and the White House has responded to this catastrophe. All right. That's the governor. And uh, obviously things are top story. News Roundup Information Overload Hour here on the Sean Hannity Show. What is happening down in Texas? Amazing, inspiring stories, one after another, that we've been following today. The Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas is with us. Lieutenant Governor, uh, first, our thoughts and prayers go out to our friends and neighbors and fellow citizens down there. And I know, like me, many are going to be donating and offering whatever you guys need. Let's first talk about people's safety and where we are at this moment because the rains continue. Uh, Thank you, Sean. Uh, always good to be with you. Uh, I wish there were different circumstances this time. Um, well, first of all, we are, as, uh, as the governor said, uh, we are in a rescue uh, to save lives right now. You know, you do three steps. Uh, you know, it's first of all, it's rescue, and then it's rescue and recovery of lost lives, and then it's rebuilding. So we are in still, still in step one, Sean, because this storm, in essence, is still kind of in the first phase. You know, the hurricane hit Rockport, as you know, um, and, and think about this, Sean. That would be like a hurricane hitting New York, and then Boston gets flooded because we're about the same distance, close from Rockport as Boston is to New York. And so that's the breadth of this storm. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who are displaced from their homes. It could be close to three-quarters of a million when it's all said and done, either at a family's home, a friend's home, or, or at a shelter somewhere. And so right now we're still looking for lives. We're rescuing people off of rooftops and balconies and trees. And, Sean, every story is the same. Every story that you see is people just grateful to God for their life, grateful that their family has survived, grateful to either the first responder or the volunteers that help them. And they and because they realize when it gets down to these moments in life, um, the stuff doesn't matter. You can buy a new TV and more furniture. You can you know get the sheetrock repaired. And it may take six months or a year to get all of this done or more, but it's your life that matters. And they're so grateful, Sean. These stories are incredible. I don't have enough time to tell you all of them, but it's incredible. And we are, Sean, in a country that is so divided in so many ways. Right now, Texas is one. No Democrats or Republicans, no liberals or conservatives, no black, white, and brown. It's neighbor helping neighbor. Volunteers. You know, this movie Dunkirk is about the great, uh, you know, volunteer effort when, when the Armada went to France to save the soldiers. Well, we have an armada, not quite as big as the Dunkirk, but we have people bringing boats from everywhere, just jumping in the water or getting their high-wheeled trucks and rescuing people. And it's just, in this terrible time, it's so uplifting uh, to see Texas come together, as I knew they would. You really need, as you deal watch, with the three phases, Lieutenant Governor, you talk about rescue, rescue, it's recovery, going and of course the rebuilding is going to take an awful yeah. long time. And long it, time. it's, I, I, look, it's heartbreaking because you know what it's like. Everybody in life, they work their hardest to maybe get a down payment to buy the first home, sure. and, and everything they worked their entire lives for, you know, now is just gone. And, and that's the least of the story when you're talking about saving human lives. But they really, to have a successful rescue you, I think you've got every component in place, and that is you've got neighbor helping neighbor, which is amazing. You've got local government, state government doing their job. Coordination seemingly, to me, with the federal government has been amazing also. Is there any one component that has gone shy, short of the Houston mayor defending the decision not to evacuate, which I know has become a big controversy? Yeah, well, first of all, let me thank um, our mutual friend, Donald Trump. Um, he has uh, he responded not just like a president would, Sean, 
on, but like the CEO of a company would, you know, and that's how he thinks. And that is, he saw a problem. Uh, the governor contacted him with our needs. He contacted the governor. They talked several times early on, and we got out in front of this. So the, the FEMA, the FEMA and, and the federal government were ahead of this by days instead of trailing it by weeks, uh, which we haven't seen in the past. Uh, so first of all, you got a president who thinks like a business guy. Tell me what you need. He's an action guy. Get it done. Uh, and he's coming to Texas tomorrow. The next thing is the governor and at the state level, we have done the very best we can uh, getting ahead of this storm, even though it was a short notice storm, a week or less, and they got very big. And then you have the local officials. You work in tandem. Um, and, and for the most part, it's working well. The biggest issue, I would say, Sean, right now, there's so many people needing help. Yesterday, the 911 system just in Houston had over 50,000 calls. I had a neighbor this morning, and I'm in, I'm in the northwest corner of Houston. It's been hit one of the hardest. And right now, uh, as I talk to you, um, uh, I got out yesterday. I'm surrounded by water right now. Uh, but one of my neighbors down the street, their 84-year-old father lives with them, had a stroke. And they called 911, and, and, and there was just no answer because they're overwhelmed with the calls and doing the best they can. And so it was, you know, getting someone with a high truck to get this 84-year-old father who had a stroke out to a hospital, and thank God he's doing fine. But it's all of these all of these issues that you, you – right now, it's not the bureaucracy that you count on. It's just people doing instantly the right thing at the right time. But it starts at the top. The president has jumped out there and been a significant – a, uh, help to uh, we're very grateful the governor is doing his job i'm doing the best to do my job all the all the local elected officials but it's the people it's the firemen it's the police it's the coast guard it's the volunteers. Well, what about these guys the the cajun navy is out again yeah. in force these people are amazing right yeah well that's why i say it to me it's it's like it's like our dunkirk i mean it's it's a flotilla i've got a, a friend of mine bringing a 26 boat down from from dallas today uh driving down here now I, it's funny I, you know it's gonna be hard for me to get to him uh but I'm going to be out. I'm driving. I'm going out today with a guy who yeah. I met him yesterday. At 25 did, years. Did your old. Did your house get flooded? Did your house get flooded? Did your house surround it? Yeah, my, right now the water is halfway to my door uh, over the mailbox, and we are uh, surrounded by water. Uh, my daughter's house, uh, if it's not flooded, has uh, water at the door. Um, and my son is dry. But look, this this storm took in everyone, Sean. Um, if you look, I, I guess. Oh, fin- finish your story. I didn't want. I want to hear the rest of that story. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, the rest of the story. So yesterday I'm out because um, my son-in-law had to try to get to his house. He had to walk about a half a mile through water, and and I see this big army truck come by, and uh, and. It, there's a road close sign, and this big army truck comes by. It's got all these people in it. I mean, it's a big army truck, big World War II, you know, big army truck. And I and so I get out and I you know walk through the water and I said, hey, who, whose truck is this? And a 25 year old guy gets out, um, and he says, it's my truck. And he has a, a KK, I'm sorry, 3P off road, and he has a car business in a place called Tom Ball, Texas. And uh, he said, I bought this truck to help out in storms like this two years ago when he was 23. Wow. Because we had big floods here, too, and last year. And so he has been, in fact, I'm joining up with him shortly. And I'm going out, going out with him, um, and we're going to go neighborhood, house by house, and see who needs help. And, and he's just been doing that on his own. And um, yesterday, there was, this, there was this young man who got picked up by uh, the Coast Guard off a balcony, and we landed on the ground. A uh, reporter asked him the question, and he had his small son with him. And, he said, and all they had were their backpacks. And I'll never forget this kid, Sean, because the kid had one of these cartoon backpacks. Patch, you know, the character on his back as he walked away. And the man said, 
I've lost my car. I've lost everything. I don't have any clothes. My son has nothing for school, no clothes, but we got, but we got our lives and we're grateful and thank God, thank God. And so this is when we as a Christian nation are tested to help each other. And this is when we as a Christian nation really say to God, um, it's in these times when it's tough that we look to you uh, and we know it's in all of your will and that we will be fine. And, and I just see that spirit coming alive. And you hate to see things like this happen to bring that about, but you know better than anyone, because I know your heart, and I know better than anyone, that's who we are as a people. And sometimes we let politics and we let, you know, headlines of the day and, and, and the haters out there try to divide us. We're not a divided country. We, we have a common bond that we love you know, each other and we want to help each other. Lieutenant Governor, I was here in New York on 9-11, and we saw the yeah. same thing happen. I mean, instantaneously, people just came out to help their neighbor. They weren't asking what their political orientation was either. You know, I remember, I just, it sticks in my memory. I mean, Campbell's Soup set up free food immediately for everybody that was working down at Ground Zero. Um... Is there anything now? I'm wiring money to Samaritan's Purse. I've worked with them for Thank years, and they are oh, yeah. they're Franklin specifically awesome. yeah. I mean, they're specifically targeting the people in Houston. Yeah, it, you know. Yeah. But so many people I've watched on social media, and there are a few haters out there that just want to turn everything yeah. into politics. But they're the minority, sure. and you yeah. know. I, but everybody, those of us that are not there, we kind of feel helpless, and we want to help out our friends in Texas. Um, what do you recommend we do? Uh, well, well, first of all, our prayers are, and never, never underestimate the power of prayer. But number two, money is needed. You know, look, we will have FEMA dollars, and that's why the president has already been so helpful, and that will help us in the rebuild. And the state, we have, thank goodness, we protect our rainy day fund, the, the economic stabilization fund. We have about $10 billion in it, which is more than most states combined. But that will, that, wow, that's a great, depleted, that's depleted quickly in times like this. Yes. Um, and then many people have insurance, and many people don't. But the, when you send in the money to Samaritan's Purse or you send in money to redcross.org, you're helping the people like those I talked about who have nothing left. And there will be some government assistance, but they're going to have to be people to rebuild their lives. And so uh, give now as much as you can give. Your audience, I know, is a very generous and giving audience. They uh, really are. Samaritan's Purse, again, is awesome, or redcross.org, uh, and help our folks here. And then, you know what? Um, uh, people who, who live nearby, um, uh, if they've got a boat and they can come here and help. i got to take a quick break. We'll come back more with the lieutenant governor of Texas. He's in Houston now as we speak. Still unprecedented rain. As we uh, as we continue our coverage. All right. Glad you're with us. News Roundup Information Overload Hour here on the Sean Hannity Show. Our top story is the flooding, the disaster. This is beyond anything they have ever seen down in Texas. The lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, is with us as we continue. But how many people still are out there that you need to rescue? Well, yesterday, just in Houston, uh, we rescued uh, I'm told the numbers, it won't be official till later. Oh, we uh, rescued about 1,800 people yesterday. Uh, we had 56,000 phone calls, as I may have mentioned, into to 9-11 yesterday. We still, I mean, into a 911. Uh, we still have people on rooftops. Uh, we still have people on balconies. And, Sean? Are we getting them food and water in the meantime as the rescue effort moves forward? Nobody. In other words, we don't expect any more fatalities here. Um, are we able to get these... These people in these situations, the food and water they need to just hang in there till till the till help arrives. We're, we're doing our best. We, I know. You know, from a state level, we're doing our best. Volunteers are doing our best. Our churches are stepping up. But uh, this is an ongoing issue, Sean. This is not like look, nothing like this has happened in American history. You think of the great disasters. 
the San Francisco earthquake, the Chicago mm-hmm. fire, the Galveston flood. But this is going to be, sadly, maybe at the top of the list. We're not it's even we're not, lost lives, but in terms of economic damage and oh, it's it's un, it's un, incalculable. It's, incalculable. And and so, the, and the stories you're right about humanity are amazing. Uh, are you glad the president is coming tomorrow? Absolutely. Look, you know. Um, I think this president is has done a great job as president, and and he cares about people. And I know that uh, he loves Texas, as he loves every place else. But he's got a fondness for Texas, and and he was uh, on the phone right away uh, with the governor. And um, I last talked to the president about three weeks ago, uh, before all this happened. But I I know he's a person of action, and he wants to make mm-hmm. this get this done, and and he'll uh, put the right resources in, and he'll do all he can. So no, we're we're uh, we're happy to have him here. Texas loves him. He loves Texas, and uh, and it will be, um, and, but it will be eye opening for him like, until you can. It's like nine eleven, Sean. I was not there in New York many times in my life, but it was not there at that time. And I the pictures never tell the story. And uh, you know what uh, I don't understand? Don't tell the story here. I, I, I listen. I saw these elderly people, and this goes back to the evacuation issue. I just don't. I'm not in a mode where I think anything should be politicized right now, but you know, right. I, I, listen. I understand Texas, and I understand it's hard for government to tell anybody if they want to stay in their house. If you're an adult and, and you're capable and you want to take the risk, my attitude is government shouldn't have the right to do that. But when I saw all these old people in a nursing home, they at that point we've got to make decisions for people. And I saw this yeah. poor woman knitting, and she's up literally up to her waist in water. Yes. Yeah. I didn't understand that uh, part of it. Why did why did they not in that instance when they were given an evacuation order by you and the governor that the local people didn't want to do it? I don't understand. Uh, it always happens. Um, there are um, there are people who just decide they don't want to leave because that's their possessions. Uh, there are other people who can ride it out. And you know what is so happens so often, Sean, unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately is the right word, big storms are predicted and nothing happens. And after a while, people get a little jaded. Well, you know, it's really not going to be as bad as they say. And every now and then it is. And this is one of those times. And the thing that concerned the governor and the reason he said, I think appropriately, uh, a few days ago before the storm hit, that, you know, if you had a few vacation days, get out of Houston, get out of Corpus. And Corpus was spared for the most part because the storm moved a little to the right mm-hmm. at the last minute. But Houston and it was clear, Sean, it was clear that we were going to be hit with, with somewhere between 15 and 25 inches of rain. But there was the potential to get 40 or more. And now we're in that potential. And I know to my own son and to my own daughter, I said to them, you know, I've got yeah. five grandkids. And I said to them, look, you can't risk, you can't take a chance on the worst won't happen in this case, because if the meteorologists are correct, and if this storm stalls and we get 40 inches of water, that's unprecedented. No, it's and never happened. Can happen. And my, and my, my, can happen. my niece is a doctor, and she lives down in, in Houston, and yeah. she's sending me pictures. I mean, everybody's home is underwater. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, no, listen, Mr. Lieutenant Governor, we will we will take you up on your challenge. The country is with you. We are sending our, our many thoughts and prayers to our friends in Texas. And you guys hang tough, as I know you will, under very difficult circumstances. And you have our many prayers, sir. Thank you, Sean. It's a Texas-sized disaster, but we'll have a Texas-sized effort. We've got a Texas-sized heart joined by America. We'll get through to it. We'll All right, sir. Through. Thank you so much, Thank Lieutenant you. Governor Dan Patrick of Texas. Time to get your party light on, and, and then we're going to talk to Diamond and Silk. All right, put the mics on. Oh, 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 o
turns ugly. I just turn it. Look at you. <laughs> Diamond and Silk are partying in the house this Friday. Woo-hoo. Amazing. Yes, I love the song. I mean, so, I, I like thank that you. one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I got to know you guys on the campaign trail. Yeah. You got one. Do you remember when we first met? Yes. Was it at Pastor Scott's? Uh-huh. It was at Pastor Scott's. It was Scott. Pastor's. Yes. yes. Do you remember when I went into my preacher mode? I, yes, and you did was a phenomenal. Was it good? Yes, it was. Yes, he wants was. me to, why don't we go together, all of us, and he wants me to do a sermon, which, by the way, I am the least qualified. You know why? Why? Because I'm the one that needs, like, the forgiveness thing. <laughs> I'm the guy that needs the salvation. You know, I'm the one that Jesus came for. I'm not the good person in the pew. Um, but I got to, and you guys were, I, I had been watching you with the, now our president. Yes, <laughs> baby, yes. And I got, and you guys were so kind to me. And it's like we just bonded. Yes. I'm like, I love those two. I love yeah. these women. They're awesome. How y'all wow. doing? Welcome to New York. Wow, thank you. Thank we're you. doing well. It's, it's doing amazing. Well? Uh-huh, yes. yes. Now, where do you live? North Carolina. Uh-huh. Wow, you know, I have some family in North Carolina. All right. Okay. We're in North Carolina. Bedville, Bedville North, Carolina. North Carolina, baby. Okay, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I asked you guys to do the, the, the last word on my TV mm-hmm. show. The final yes, word. Now, I had to cancel because of news one or two nights, but you've been doing it now the last two weeks. How, how's the reaction? Oh, people love it. They absolutely mm-hmm. love they it. They absolutely love that we're doing the final word. So we good. love it. Yes. It is good. It's yes. so, and then we tweet it out. It goes crazy. Um, amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. It's, yes. I know. Um, how did you two become friends? How, wait, give me the relationship here. Well, okay. we've, all, we've always been friends. I know you're related, but... Listen, we are blood, blood sisters. sisters, so it's always well, been is, like well, this. You're not, I mean... Same mama, same daddy. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. okay. Diamond has always been mouthy, yes. and Silk has always second emotion. Soften the blow. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's were right. you guys funny as kids? I what? guess we were. Well, first, we didn't even realize we, we were funny, funny right. until we oh, did the video. On. No, really, really, we didn't. Uh-uh. We we didn't even know this stuff was funny mm-hmm. until we did the first video and we played it back. And the way she was looking, I'm like, girl, this is crazy. Uh-huh. Those, those were, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, you know, funny. and the hands uh-huh. and uh, and the cocktails. Yes, that's <laughs> natural. All of that is natural. Right. Yeah. Right. And we we didn't know. Why did you fall in love with Donald Trump? Because he said everything that made sense. That's right. I want to secure the border. Mm-hmm. Don't we secure our house? Don't we? The True. White House is secure. The is border it? should be secure. That's right. I want to bring back mm-hmm. jobs. Why would you outsource good jobs from Americans? Mm-hmm. Need, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I want to bring back spirit. Yes. We need spirit really, in this country. Right? Where we're right. walking hand in hand. We're getting some things done. And I love the fact that he want to put I'm gonna, Americans I'm going to be so, uh, right. uh-huh. I'm going to go, yes, man. I'm going <laughs> to, amen. You Hallelujah. make me. You you do make people say amen. Oh, you re- wow. People, oh, yes. My audience loves you both. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. We love them more. We love love them you more. guys. And you're, what do you think of all – I'm talking every night. You see how hard I'm, I'm yes. fighting back. And by the way, they're trying to kill me. You know that, right? <sighs> You're watching it. But, you, but you're not going to go down. Don't you worry yes, about it. Yes. What they're trying to do is silence you. They're trying to silence everybody because they don't want the truth to be told that the Democrats did absolutely nothing in the last eight years. That's the That's most right. I think I've ever heard you say so at one time. <laughs> Silk can talk, but I know how to stay in my own lane, do yeah. my own thing. Huh? <laughs> okay. But, you know, I keep talking. I talked a lot in the election about this. There are 50 millions, million of our fellow citizens in poverty. Mm-hmm. And on food stamps, mm-hmm. and ninety-four million out of the labor force, mm-hmm. and a fifty-one-year right. low in in home ownership. Mm-hmm. I started out with nothing. I really did in my adult life. Nothing. I worked 
hard. Mm-hmm. And all I had that America and my parents gave me, and I got to give them all credit and God, I, I had a ladder to climb. And I had the rungs of the ladder there. The rungs are gone right now. That's right. Yes. The tools that, that you need mm-hmm. in order to be able to mm-hmm. get to that point, the top mm-hmm. of the ladder. Is that it, a real it, diamond have been necklace, diminished. by the way? Well, let me tell you something. Oh, my I'm God. I'm chopping my neck off. <laughs> I, <laughs> get to, no. <laughs> to get to By the way, Kim Kardashian's got nothing on you. Oh, uh, wow. See, uh-oh. Thank, thank you. you. Holy moly. <laughs> thank you so much, dear. Did Linda, look at that diamond necklace. These are beautiful women. I'm in awe of the entire Listen, segment, to be honest. they're beautiful, but I am mesmerized how big oh those God. diamonds are. Thank you so That's much. Look at those diamonds. <laughs> wow. But let me tell Did you Did Donald something. Trump give you that? No, no, no. This has nothing to do. I had this before Donald Trump. Okay, now wow. listen. Let me tell you something. It took hard work to get here because in spite of being called out of our names, mm-hmm. being laughed at, talked about, criticized, and, and darn near traumatized, we got here and we made it to this point. You took mm-hmm. a lot of heat like we all do. That That's support, right. Anybody that supports the president's under fire. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's part for the car. I'll tell you this. I I don't care anymore. That's I, right. Oh, I don't uh-uh. even care that much. Mm-hmm. And, and I also, in the process, while we may have enemies, I got to, I got to be friends with you guys. Oh, oh. bless her. That's no, amazing. I'm serious. I yes. got to meet the most amazing people. So this is what I'm thinking about. My audience has been so amazing to me. I'm thinking about doing a few stops for free around okay. the country. You know, I, I mean, I, it's all on me. And I want to put together a show. Mm-hmm. Did you like Terrence when he was on? Terrence, I didn't really see him. I'm sorry. I didn't see really? him. You but missed I my know, show. I, I didn't miss you. You know him, though. I know who you're talking you know about. You're talking Terrence about. Williams. I know who uh-huh. you're talking about, yes. I'm thinking, I, and I want to bring a few of our friends that are, you know, that are on my show regularly. And I want to do a few shows around the country. And I want to invite both of you to be a part of it. Oh, would you do it? goodness. We'll be honored. It'd be yes. fun, right? It would be, be fun. It would be great and fun. fun. Yes. Right. Yeah, like you guys go up and do your thing. Whatever you want to do. Oh, Anything you want. It. Have you guys thought and maybe you're doing it already, of maybe doing what you do on the road. Just you two. You guys <sighs> haven't done thought. this yet? It's been a thought. It, yeah, but a we thought. Know. I'll get you the speaking guy that'll get you booked every day. <laughs> I only want 20%. No, uh, no, 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 no. I don't Let want to tell you, I don't things have been so great. You know, we always say, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. We had no plans for yeah. this, mm-hmm. and we've just been going with the flow of Right. Are you be- very religious, both of you? Listen, mm-hmm. we believe in God. We believe in I God. I do, too. That's right. Right. Amen. And, right, right. And nobody's going to stop me for believing in God. But I you know they're trying to stop us. No, you guys are the, the uh, you're in the good part of the pew. They put the, the sinners on this side, and they put, <laughs> you know, diamond and silk on the other side. <laughs> It's all it's so true. It's so true. Um, these are pretty tough times. I can't believe how pathetically weak Republicans are. And you guys did a, 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 a final word the other night about I was like, you want to like go through it and then you go just do it because it's so good. What do we do? Okay, first Which of one all, are you referring yeah, because to? we done done so, so many. Much. Is it but, about the Republican Party? Yeah, how weak they the are. Well, oh. they they are weak, very weak, and they got to get themselves together. Mm-hmm. And see, it's time for them to stop working for their own greed and start working for the need of people. That's right. And I think Silk that maybe somebody may be getting some kickback, paddywhack, give a dog a bone, a bone. but we are gonna have to take the bone back That's because right. this is about the American people. First. We pay you, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. to do a job. Our job, and if you can't do your job, That's right. then maybe it's time for us to repeal and replace you. Peace out. Boo. Bye-bye. Wow. And that's just (laughs) zero prep. I mean, (laughs) 
Um, you know, um, one of the things in these hard times, I, I like to kind of on Friday in this final half, I just like to lighten it up. Yeah. I yes. mean, these weeks are intense. Yeah. These yes. weeks are intense. Yes. And it's sort of like the campaign never, never ended for a lot of us. And I think you both remind everybody that we can laugh. And you know what? We're going to win. That's I don't care. Right. I, and if we don't win, I'm going down with the ship. You guys coming with me? Oh, well, listen, we're, we're going to win. win. I'm going to give you the lifesavers, though, and I'll just I'll swim it myself. I'll just, I, you know, I'll just sink. But Keep the lifesavers for, for, for later, but we're going to win this. We That's said right. he was going to be the 45th president, and, he and he's the, the 40th. We said he was going to be the best president, and, and it's going to happen. That's right. right. Listen, don't worry about nothing. We got mm-hmm. this. Let not your heart be troubled. That's right. That's TV show tonight? Would you guys come on my TV show tonight? Yeah, if you invite us. All right, and then I'm going to send you to my favorite restaurant on me tonight. Deal? Okay, okay deal. deal. Okay, deal. Yes. That's, that wasn't that hard. <laughs> no. All right, welcome to New York. Love Diamond you. and Silk. Go to Twitter, at Sean Hannity, and you can see their commentaries from this week. It's so good. I love you girls. Love you oh, more. Wow. You ladies, I'm sorry. But to me, you're young at, at heart, I right? I love you more. We females, we honey. L- straight females. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You girls. love it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love you both, and you guys played an amazing role. You had an impact in this election, and you Thank took you. great heat to do it. I admire your, your strength, your courage, your commitment, and now that we, we have become friends, and I value your friendship. God bless you both. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for making me happy. You make me laugh. Oh, thank Thank you. you. It makes me very happy. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now the same Hollywood that sold the American dream. They are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood takeover brought to you by the Epic Times where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink under the thumb of the IRS, and controlled with a digital dollar. That's why thousands of hardworking patriotic Americans are opting out by diversifying their savings with the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last, so don't wait. Go to HannityGold.com to learn how to get started today. That's HannityGold.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash I heart.